0: We're at the beginning of chapter one, the only thing we need to know.
1: Which if you have the print book is page three.
0: Oh, and I'm going to share it. Someone needs, not all of us have it, right? I have it, but on a Kindle. Who doesn't have it? Does everyone have the book? I don't have the book. Oh, okay, I'll share.
2: Would you uh would you rather just would you rather not share? Rather just read from the from the um This is fine. Okay.
1: Well, I guess I am alphabetically first, so I will start. There is only one thing we need to know. It's utterly simple. Our job as humans who want to experience life fully. Is to pay attention when we experience something. To do this, all we have to do is begin to be who and what we really are. That's it. We just have to be who we are apart from all our ideas and our systems of dealing with life. That sounds delightful, right? No way. Being who we really are means when we feel upset about a situation, when we are hurt or angry, we have to feel it. For some of us, these strong emotions make our body into a tight, miserable knot. Others of us get nauseous. Who wants that?
3: At first, we don't want to be in touch with, with the feelings because a lot of them, whether they are hurt, anger, or resentment, are born out of pain. And that pain feels, at first, like the last thing we would ever want to meet.
4: You want to read more, Cody?
3: Yeah, I read more. But when we truly experience what we are, whatever it is at every moment, there is freedom. Sometimes people say to me, oh, yes, I'm in touch with who I am. I know my body is tight. That's not experiencing. For one thing, when we say I, I know my body is tight. We're already separating us, our knowing, and our bodies. We are assuming there is an I knowing something else. The world is split. When the world is split, there's no peace. There's no freedom.
4: We might say, but I know I'm suffering. I really feel it. That's not experiencing. When you are truly experiencing, you are not feeling the suffering or the anger. You are it. And I say, be what you are. The so word- the
0: qu- the question I keep asking is, um, when you are it, do you do you have the thought, "I am it," "I am feeling this"?
4: Then you are not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I kind of, thats
0: kind of where I'm going, Donna. Um. Uh, but there's also the times. I mean, I'm doing it a lot these days. Where I've done something and then I uh, I don't know that I did it. You know, I put something away and then I wonder if I put something away. So it's certainly not. That's not what we're talking about.
4: Yeah, that's just not paying attention. <laughs> that's not paying
0: attention. Good. Okay.
4: Yeah, it's, um,
5: so I have a little example. Yeah. Um, I've been experiencing some issues with my mother and I was telling the story of all the challenges and the things that were wrong about the situation to a friend. And I was just rattling on and on the story of my mother and suffering and my having to deal with it and all the things I needed to do and suddenly my friend looked at me and said, stop what you're doing. You're, you're rubbing your eyes and pulling your hair. She says, are you aware that you're doing that? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't until the moment she said it. Wow. So in that moment, I wasn't present to actually what was going on, um, which was uh, a feeling of overwhelm or stress in my body you know, (laughs) so I'm not quite sure what she, uh, means, but I think it has something to do with being completely present to what's happening right in this moment. Do you know?
0: Yeah. But I keep asking, What what does that really look like? So let's go on.
5: Well, but Kim,
6: what about like when you're sitting in meditation and something comes up, some emotion or something, and then you just, you just sort of disidentify with the thoughts of it and just feel it in your body maybe that's more what she's talking about something like that
5: i think that's right it's like getting it so it so
0: quickly goes to this other place of of oh i'm feeling this emotion in my body
5: yeah there's narration going on and you start um making a story around it right that's no, you know i was in a story but i wasn't present to what was actually happening
4: you've invited your thoughts to tea as suzuki roshi would say
0: okay let's have tea
6: <laughs> donna did you want to read you just had a really short
4: paragraph i think uh yeah is it the word experiencing is that where we are yes um, yeah. okay the word experiencing confuses some people Experiencing doesn't mean something fancy. It doesn't mean anything more than just for a second, being without the thought. It is whatever you are, when you're not thinking about yourself, just let your mind be quiet for two seconds. You feel whatever you feel. That's it. Right.
6: (laughs) Now, if you're really upset, naturally, the body will be contracted in a more interesting way, you might say. But most experiencing doesn't feel like anything much. Yet when you can sit, say an hour or two, just experiencing your life transforms, it, it transforms at a tremendous rate. It's nothing spectacular. It doesn't mean thoughts won't come up, but it's like the thoughts bubble up out of the water. You experience them and they disappear. What we usually do is follow these thoughts in our head, creating a fantasy, instead of letting the thoughts just bubble up and disappear as they naturally do.
0: And then I question that too, I, you know, like the word naturally, is that what the thoughts naturally do, or is, is the um, fa- creating a fantasy what we naturally do?
4: I don't know. Why, can't it
1: both? why can't the thoughts naturally bubble up and then it is a natural human response to create a fantasy around them even if that's not to our advantage yeah nature is full of natural maladaptive behaviors
5: <laughs> yeah if you don't if you don't really uh, follow the thought even after it pops up and really start you know merging into it it it, it will disappear haven't you noticed in meditation that happens one minute you're thinking about lunch and the next minute you're thinking about something somebody said to you and the next minute you're thinking about where are you going to go on vacation? I mean, they, and then I, I sometimes try to figure out where that transition happened.
0: Yeah. So I play this game sometimes of being like a troll on a troll bridge and waiting for the next thought. And when I do that, the thought will never come. If I'm present, like they're waiting for that thing, it won't happen.
5: Yeah, it, it's like um, you've experimented with that, like I have too, trying to see when the next thought actually comes, like watch it arise. And what I feel is attention. tension. I feel a tension, yeah. but the thought actually doesn't pop up. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I've, had
6: to, I've felt that before too, but I hadn't really identified it.
0: Okay, who's next?
5: I think it's me. Yes. Hey. Now, you can try to do any of that. You can't try to let go. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start again. Now, you can't try to do any of that. You can't try to let go. That's silly. Who is letting go? You can't try to fix yourself. You can't try to be an accepting person. What you can do is experience not accepting something. How many minutes can I just sit and be that? Most people can do it for about three or four seconds. The more we experience, the less we need things to be different, the less attached we are to judgment. And needless to say, a life that grows from that kind of practice is more compassionate, more open, and more peaceful. It doesn't mean you don't fight for things or you don't act, But you do so from a place of quiet and attention.
7: Going
2: into real experiencing can feel like a tremendous loss. And it is a loss. It's a loss of who we believe we are. We lose what we think of as our identity. And that's frightening. Of course, we don't really lose anything. But what we're afraid of is that we have to give up all our ideas about I'm this, I'm that, I have to have this, I have to have that. He doesn't love me. It's a terrible life. In experiencing, there's none of
0: that. You can say, but I don't like a lot of those thoughts. You may not like them, but they are familiar. We'd rather be with the familiar than to keep diving into the unknown. That's why practice is hard, but it is possible. So Nancy, I think you're next.
7: Okay. The secret to transform, uh, to trans, to transformation, yeah. Yeah. we have a life that happening on the time, a wonderful, amazing life, which we may like or dislike, but there it is on the time, and we have a very fixed, narrow little set of behaviors with which we try to process this vast experiences.
1: Do you wanna read another one, Nancy?
7: That was short. Oh, okay. The secret to experiencing the whole of life is just to be whatever we're experiencing. Say we manage a few minutes to feel whatever we feel as opposed to running from it, thinking about it, analyzing it, taking a pill, getting drunk or whatever we do so we don't have to feel it. If we can truly rest with it, be friendly and curious with that pain, we can begin to transform when we live with a thought on top of everything, the pen is held tight. It can move. It can do a thing. It just sits there and drives you crazy.
0: This sounds to me like the challenge when someone says, now relax your arm. Does anyone have problems with that? I
3: do. Allison relax. doesn't. Relax your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: used to be so difficult for me to do. Oh, just relax your heart. You know, let it just hang there. Okay.
1: Well, it's hard to relax your heart because your heart is an organ that has to move all the time. (laughs) Like it moves. How do you relax something that moves unconsciously?
0: Yeah. No, I said arm, not heart. But
1: okay, I misheard you. you.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: When we can let go of the of the thought based personal desire for things to work out in a particular way. For the first time the pain that we feel can begin to open up and when it opens up the feeling gets clear and quiet and at the end there's silence and wonder finally there's nothing just wonder underneath all of our difficulties there's this well of silence which is real wisdom whatever you want to call it it's there
0: Anyone want to say anything before we go to the next essay or whatever they are?
5: I just wanted to say that I've probably talked about this before, but it was a revelation to me probably some 10 years ago when I actually practiced with sitting with the feelings that my thoughts generated and then letting the story go and just feeling in my body what I was feeling. Um, that whole thing that she just described happened, I didn't even know what was going on, but it was the first time I consciously done that, let go of a story of irritation and just felt what that was. And all kinds of um, bodily sensations happened. Some of them I labeled like fear, grief, all kinds of weird things were happening, but my mind was quiet with no story. And then at the end of it, it got very quiet. Very still, and I could feel this, what she was talking about, just what she said, this well of silence, I could feel that. I didn't know how to articulate it, but that's what was there. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, I didn't know that was there. It was really weird. So,
0: Sometimes, yeah, like, like I'm feeling now a certain sadness. And it, it I couldn't, it, it doesn't have a story. But I'm just...
5: Exactly. It's sort of like it's trapped in your system or somehow contracted it, you know, the, um, in there somehow. And if you just let it be there and actually really kind of move, just kind of be, move into it. I can't explain. It. It's almost like you, you allow yourself to just, just really be with it. And then for me, it kind of went off to an, a different emotion. Um, well, grief, that's the sadness but underneath that grief all of a sudden there was this peace who knew <laughs> yeah kind of an inquiry it's kind of a form and we could call it meditation but i also call it inquiry it's being really curious about what what's happening in your in your body
1: without a story so then my so my question is what makes so she talks about Uh, Not having to analyze it, um, among other things. So what makes inquiry different from analysis? Because in many ways, analysis is a form of inquiry. If you are trying to investigate the nature of something that involves a degree of analysis.
5: Yeah, it's for me, what inquiry is, is finding the curiosity or the question. Like in my particular experience, it wasn't a question like, what's under here? What's going on? There were no questions, but it was a deep sort of curiosity. That's all I can say.
0: Maybe analysis is more in the mind.
5: Yeah, there was no mind activity. It was more like, oh, and I can't explain it, but like feeling where the tenseness was, feeling my eyes do this, feeling my heart do that, you know, but not having a story or any kind of analysis about it, just like curiosity. And to me, that's a form of uh, inquiry. Like when I do inquiry, I might have a question and then I just let it fall into my system and see what arises. And um, sometimes an insight will happen and sometimes no insight at all. It'll just be bodily sensations, it's weird. Um, At least that's what I think of with inquiry. It's sort of like uh, posing a question and then just allowing something else to come up with. I guess you could say a response to the question.
3: Who's um? Who's next? That's me. Uh, what do you really want? What is this life? And what is our part in it? For most of us, on most days, life consists of very ordinary tasks Do I need to go to the grocery store? Should I call that person? What do I have to cook, clean, care for, or do? This is often what life consists of, and it can be wonderful. But if we don't, at some point, pause to sit and investigate, life can develop a flavorless quality. It's like eating sawdust. In the daily business, we forget something. That something else is at the core of our practice.
4: to return to the flavor of our lives, to get curious about what is what it actually feels like. We need to clear a little space. Maybe we can only clear two minutes, but those two minutes, if we truly take the time to stop, get curious and fully experience them can be a strong beginning. Our human desire is that we want life to go our way. We don't want to be too cold We don't want to be too hot, we don't want to be too hungry, we don't want to be uncomfortable in any way. It's fine to try and make ourselves more satisfied and more comfortable, but when the whole objective of our life is to be more pleased, more comforted, or more anything like that, then we've lost our way.
6: Much of our meditation practice is spent looking at the personal messiness that we live in. In sitting with the messiness, we can get to know it and learn to be comfortable with it. It's not that we get something tangible, we just get get to more fully experience our life as it is. We become more available to life as it happens.
5: I used to sing in the Messiah, a Christian chorus. We sang a song that went, his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. There are the burdens of life, but as we stay with practice, we feel different about our life after a while. The yoke is easier and the burden lighter. Does that mean that sitting is easy? Not at all. Anybody who sits knows that it's never one thing. We enjoy it, or we hate it. It's boring. We get restless. We don't want to be here. But the ability to stay with life as it is, which is all that is necessary, increases. Slowly, 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 the practice is never ending.
2: A Peace That Passes All Understanding In the Bible, there is a line in Philippians 4, 7, about a peace that passes all understanding. Isn't that what we all want? I don't think that kind of peace is some unbroken bliss. That peace is all the ordinary hardships and difficulties and stupid things that we all live through. When your understanding increases, peace is right there in being too too tired, in being treated unfairly, in being confused, and even in being sick of the whole thing. Peace and these experiences are not two different things.
0: What does that mean? That's certainly different than the ordinary idea of peace, isn't it?
2: Well, I, I was reminded of the before enlightenment, shop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, shop wood, carry water. It's our relationship to the difficulties. It's not that the difficulties go away.
0: I guess it's it's peace with uh, not wanting things to be different. Yeah. You know, there's this thing that that our dissatisfaction with life is because we want it to be different than how it is. Okay, who's reading? You. Me. Yeah, you. W- what do we really want? Do we just want to be comfortable? Maybe in this moment, the answer is yes. Perhaps we had such a hard time lately that you want to relax and enjoy yourself. It's okay to enjoy yourself, but (coughs) but having the conviction that comfort is all you need to attend to is the error. When comfort or pleasure is the only focus of our life, then we miss out on life itself. It's easy to miss it. We think, well, maybe next year, maybe we have next year, but maybe we don't. Maybe we only have 10 more minutes. We don't know. Sometimes our time comes to an end very, very (coughs) early. We don't have forever. Life is always short. It goes by in a twinkling of an eye. You can do this work next year.
6: You can't. You can't do this work.
0: I think that was a Freudian slip. You You can't do this work next year. You have to do it now.
7: Just snow just now is neither heaven nor earth. Only snow falling constantly. This is an old Japanese haiku from uh, 1864. This is the only poem of Haishin that has survived. You can think, isn't that nice? The snow sounds way falling. But let's change that a little bit. Suppose I'm sick and this poem went. There is neither heaven nor earth, only illness pulling steadily. Or there is neither heaven nor earth, only age approaching steadily.
1: Some people come into the Zen Center and ask me if I know the meaning of life. Well, of course I do. Only snow falling constantly. There is only illness, only separation, only clouds happening and happening and happening. Life isn't miserable or terrible, it's just what it is and that can take the form of severe misery at times, tremendous joy at other times, or some feeling between the two. There is neither heaven nor earth, just poached eggs sitting on the table, whatever it is right here.
3: I sometimes see old friends who are like me, approaching what we call old age. age. Some of them are watching the years go by with increasing bitterness. The bitterness, the resentment comes when we think life should be other than what it is for us. Each of us could describe our lives in such a way that they would seem miserable. See, there's a difference between being in the illness or in the snow and being miserable.
4: I was sick for many months over the winter. Do you think I liked it? No way. I didn't pretend to like it one bit, but I wasn't miserable. The miserable would come from the belief that I shouldn't be sick. How come I shouldn't be sick? If I'm sick, I'm sick. Of course, we do what we can do to stay well, but when life is what it is at this second, we have to abandon the never-ending judgments that we tend to make about everything. As soon as I was getting better, I made a judgment about my future. I thought, I'm never gonna get sick again. That was illusion popping into my head. I'll do this and this and this and this, and I can control my health. You know what, it won't work. Sooner or later, I will get sick again. It
0: It seems that people with terminal illness are able to do this. What do you think Ellen since you've worked with a lot of people like as opposed to someone with <laughs> like someone who gets the flu
6: some some are better at it than others.
0: Oh. Ellen worked with in hospitals for many years. That's why I asked her.
6: It's a pretty pretty big deal for everybody. But uh yeah. Some people really manage it quite beautifully. Most everybody needs some help with it. Uh, Is it my turn? I think it is. Yeah, it is. In real old age, bitterness is obvious. It's in the mouth, the way the face is, the way the body is held. When you're young, the seeds of bitterness can hide as hope in something outside of yourself. Someone is going to take care of me, that wonderful person I haven't found yet. Or that perfect job, if someone would just see how good I am for it. Or perhaps you think you will find the perfect practice that is going to make you enlightened if you just stick with it. Then you get disappointed or resentful when it doesn't appear or doesn't work. Of course we can and should change things that don't work for us but when we have an agenda that it must work for us, the disappointment and resentment arise and therein lie the seeds of bitterness.
5: Do you think your meditation practice is going to make you happy? It's not. Is it going to change things? Probably in some ways, but maybe not in ways you like. Is it going to keep you from getting sick? It helps over the years because you don't rip yourself up quite as much. But I don't know of anyone who doesn't get sick. Does it keep you from getting old and eventually falling apart? No. I haven't met anyone yet who doesn't do that eventually.
0: I think Glenn is next.
2: there There is neither heaven nor earth only what there is only you knew only you know what you fill in here people sometimes bring up the word enlightenment but enlightenment isn't something we march towards and one day somehow we grab it enlightenment is the ending in yourself of that hope for something other than life being
0: as it is
4: Whoa, folks! What a definition yeah. of enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so the reason it's dotted line is because a number of people highlighted this. Uh, Kindle does that.
5: Yeah, it's oh. a good, it's a good one. It made me think of um, when I went to um, Al-Anon and I first heard what is it um, expectation results in resentment you know and it it just seems it it, this is what i this is all reminding me of we have some idea of how things we want things to be
0: so uh you know in in the four practice principle chant that we do we um we say uh the self-centered dream and then we say life as it is and Mm -hmm. I did a couple of drawings where I thought I was depicting life as it is. And then I asked my wife, what is life as it is? Ellen told me heard me tell the story. And her life as it is is so different than mine. And it was so surprising to me. She was talking about trees and birds and streams. And, and mine was uh, <coughs> at that particular time, uh my father shooting arrows out at me and and the other one was a hydra headed monster. So um so life being as it is, it, you know, if each of us depicted that, it would be very different, which is kind of different. It seems like when you get down to things as they really are, we should all see it the same way, because we're, we're not uh, filtering at all. We don't have any glasses on. So that's what I'm puzzled about, among
5: others. Well, life isn't static. It's not a thing that you can capture. No. It's constantly moving and changing. So, you know. No, but if,
0: if we were all, at, let's say, at the same party. Yeah. You're frozen now, Gail. Okay, we were all went to, to the same party and at the same moment we wrote down exactly what we see and we really could see it clearly. Our descriptions might be different. In fact, there's a great story about, it's a photography story. And so all these photographers line up on a hilltop and they're looking out into the landscape and they all take the identical picture and then they develop the pictures and they all turn out completely different. So it's, it's actually, kind of it's thing. It's like,
5: it's perception, right? It's
0: yeah. And I, I used to give an assignment where the students would have to do what we call a record shot, which is like the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then they had to do a, a, like an interpretation and often the record shots were more Interpretive than the interpretation. It was really interesting how uh, it was hard to tell what was what was what. When they tried to say exactly what the thing was, it wasn't. Um, it was more inventive in a way sometimes.
5: Yeah, than, I, I think I think you're talking a lot to me. It reminds me of you know like. Uh, The way we frame things, our perceptions of things, and there, there's probably an infinite number of ways of of perceiving. You know, just like it's raining outside. So there's rain, and then there's the whole story about rain being something you want, something you don't want. Um, It's raining too hard, it's not raining enough. You know, the rain feels cool or the rain feels too cold, you know, but life as it is, is just. It's just raining. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> would, yeah, would this be a good, it's, it's 7.50 or almost. Would this be a good time to, would this be a good place to pause and do
0: our 10 minutes of writing? Well, let, let's see how much more, how many, much more is there on this chapter?
4: Not much. Not uh, much.
5: Just have. Very, it's short. It's only
2: okay.
0: a, right. yeah.
5: It's about five paragraphs or four.
2: Let's okay. do it.
0: I think, who's next? I think it's Kim. Yes, Kim. Giving up hope. None of us want to give up hope. Being hopeful and then losing hope, then gaining (coughs) hope, that is another form of the snow falling. There is a film called Dead Man Walking about a Catholic nun who's working with a man on death row. At the end of the film, someone says to her, I wish I had your faith. And she says, it's not faith really, it's work. I thought that was a very insightful line. What is the work? You could see her struggle with herself and her own reactions as her relationship developed. with the person on death row. It wasn't easy for her. He was obnoxious and unkind. There was neither heaven nor earth, only in the case of this man, nastiness and arrogance appearing constantly. The film showed the work she had done that had enabled her to care for him as he was. Some people are not easy. We don't want to care (coughs) for people as they are. We want to care for them after they've made a few changes. You know, just a few, then we might consider it. I'm just thinking about someone I just was text messaging with, and it's a person who wants someone very badly to, to be different. You know, and all the anxiety that that's creating.
3: OK.
7: The Catholic nun had to give up hope that the man on that road could be different than he was. If you hope, you are, you're thinking. Your reality of practice is just to be. Hope is really a thought that maybe it will be different someday. The snow falling constantly is the great mystery. The person we live with is a great mystery. There's nothing that isn't a great mystery. And we said there's neither heaven nor earth because there's just this moment, whatever it is, snowing, raining, being sick, being well, being inspired, being warm. If you want your life to be what I think you know it already is, then doing the work is your only choice. It's not easy. There isn't some magic in Zen practice. It's not going to change you the way you expect. It will not give you anything you think you deserve, but when you do the work of being with exactly what is, slowly, unexpectedly, just formation happens.
0: Beautiful. Okay, so we'll ride for 10 minutes.
6: Is there a, a question or a, a prompt or anything?
0: Well, I think we could all make up our own, but maybe it could be about um, life as it is. Okay. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm so curious about is, is uh, what does this mean? Okay. All right, thank y'all. So you'll tell us when 10 minutes is up, Glenn? I will. Okay. Thank
2: y'all so much. So on my screen, both Allison's dog and Ellen's cat jumped down at the same time. (laughs) Like they texted each other, let's get out of here. (laughs) there there was a word that I I read this somewhere this might be a Donna question it is a Tibetan word and it means the natural effervescence or energy of the mind the way thoughts just appear and bubble up effervescence like there's no rhyme or reason to it does anybody remember what that where we were when that came up what we were reading
7: You are muted, Kim.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not. You can all unmute yourselves. Do you mean tonight? When did it come up tonight?
2: No, no, in our history somewhere.
0: <coughs> oh,
4: um, I I actually wasn't uh, with the group for the particular book, but I and I can't quite remember it. But in the best book selling tradition, the cover was blue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and shift,
2: in, I, shift into freedom
4: into freedom
6: yeah yeah that, might, my,
2: that might be it actually yeah. see I know it was a Donna question somehow <laughs> um yeah no I think you're right I think that's it I think it's from shift into freedom and I've got it behind me I'll go dig around in it but
0: Does someone want to uh, read or say what they came up with, Cody?
3: Oh, no, you can go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can show you my, you know, I did a drawing too, of course. I wrote, I don't know why we all see life as it is so differently. That should, oh, that shouldn't be. In science, if two people weigh an object, they will come up with almost the same answer, but it is much different in life. Some see life as an adversary and others like a friend. Are these necessarily different self-centered dreams or could they both be life as it is? And then I have these two guys, oops, yeah, I have these two guys and they're... uh, they're looking at a mountain, and the mountain's called Is. (laughs) And they're they're seeing it very differently. So, uh, and it really struck me when, oh, and also, well, we'll get into this whole section of this book is about core beliefs, but it seemed that my core belief is that life is adversarial, and uh, my wife's core belief is that life is very pleasant and loving and wonderful, and birds are chirping. And does that sound like core beliefs?
5: I don't know, but it sounds like you're suited to one another. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds like a good wife, Kim.
2: Oh. Um, i you had it all covered <laughs> i that's really got me that's really got me thinking if i um i mean there's there's no there's no brahma in buddhism right where there's some supreme answer and we're trying to get close to it i mean i i as i understand it and totally please redirect me if i'm if i'm off but all the things in your history and your past and your culture and your karma it's all still with you those filters are still there they exist they don't go away I I think maybe she's pointing towards more it's your relationship to those things like do those little habits govern my next choice do those thoughts make me reactive or it is is what happened last time going to govern how I happen this time so so I don't know that you and I would see necessarily, even if we were both these, whatever, enlightened beings, which we at some level are, I don't know that we would see it the same. We just might both be free in that moment to react through meditation and practice. We might be a little more free to experience that party you were talking about without having the momentum of, of our thoughts, or our culture, or our reactivity, or our habits, or our little stories. We don't have to bring those to the party with us. Well, excuse me. They're coming to the party with us. We don't have to let them dominate the conversation or our interactions with the other party goers. So you and I both might be at that same place in practice, but our interaction at the party is going to be different because we're still different people. I- I don't know that if two people achieve whatever enlightenment or something that they're necessarily going to see things the same way, and I, I don't know that's implied in the concept or the teaching.
1: Kim, your story about you and your wife made me think a lot about me and my boyfriend because uh, I
0: about about what
1: me and my boyfriend because we we oh. are we are sort of of those two personalities uh, our our types, um, and I actually wrote about. Um, him a lot because he uh this sounds crazy but his mom his mother vouches for all of this he lost his faith in capitalism when he was six because walmart moved in and forced all the local businesses to close in his town and he lost his faith in democracy when he was seven and had to like his dad was running for state office and he had to be a seven-year-old out on the campaign trail and then decided that democracy was not as it is uh now is nonsense and then he lost his faith in god when he was nine. like these are all true things and i was just sort of thinking of the um the quote from dead man walking and so it's like he like he lost all of his faith in all of these major institutions at a very young age and also you know like i have not lost my faith in uh you know an organized spiritual system clearly but like um what is worth doing the work of faith for like um is it you know like my sister is all like democracy is perfect and i'm like is it is it worth doing the work to continue to like believe that or is it worth like doing the work to maybe say "Mm, it's not perfect (laughs) maybe we maybe we should work on revising it um uh you know so that was just interesting like to me like as a child just like him just like no faith in any of these major systems at all um which is shocking to me but then it does sort of raise the question like what is worth doing the work for and to me zen is worth doing the work for um but um it's just it's an interesting that's a thought i'm i'm, I'm playing around in my head
0: Um, yeah, she addresses that, that, that you're not going to benefit very much from this.
7: Yeah.
0: yeah. And at Austin Zen Center, they used to say, uh, I heard there, uh, Zen is good for nothing. <laughs> I, I don't I kind of took um,
5: the... Uh writing just something might you might have said at the very end um kim like this idea of life as it is what exactly does that mean yeah and so i um i was thinking of um uh one time at appamata we were doing a um it was one of those group exercises you get in a little group and we all had to take turns sitting in meditation and then doing like um kind of narrating what was happening in the meditation and the other people had to be still. You remember that, Ellen? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And so I kind of sat there and decided I would do that. What is life as it is right now? Right as I'm sitting here. And then it was just kind of a free form, you know, pen moving across paper, words forming and flowing, creaks on the floor, walls breathing, distant hum of air conditioner. Thoughts about reading this out loud. Knees folded underneath me, curled. And it just went on and on. I just, you know, the whole 10 minutes, I was kind of in a, just noticing what was happening right in this very moment. And I ended up with thirsty. Will she stop writing now and drink? And then Glenn called it. and <laughs> I stopped and I took a drink. <laughs> but I, I think what it, where I was going with it was just, um, I don't do that in life. I'm not aware of the actual moment. I'm often off in my head um, um, in some sort of uh, intellectual endeavor or thought about the future or thinking about the past. And I think that what practice does for me is it brings me more totally here. Uh, And, you know, that's all I can say about that and you're right Kim maybe my here is different than your here but i'm
0: here you know we we feel we we really feel it with another person whether they're with us or not don't we i mean there there was one time when my wife and i were walking in the woods with this man and he was so unbelievably present with us that it was really um we both noticed it. And this is like 50 years ago. And we remember that, you know, and then sometimes you're with a person. I was with someone um, Saturday and um, I wasn't there at all. I wanted to leave, that kind of thing. So, we, you know, there's that very, and I felt so guilty afterwards of not being there but I had promised to be somewhere else. So that was on my mind. Oh, I have to be somewhere else. I have to get home. I have to do this. I have to go to the grocery store. So.
5: Yeah, I think we can all relate to that. Um, I know I can anyway. Um, I I will say that uh, when I'm with somebody who's, who's completely present for me, I would say that's a form in a way or a, I think that's a form of um, an enlightened person you know they don't necessarily have to have all the bells and whistles but when somebody's there for you <clears> 100 percent <throat> like that listening being you really feel the energy of that and I I agree
0: Nancy you want to say something oh
7: no just my <laughs> my cat makes some noise so i just try to mute so people can oh. listen to you
0: <laughs> Ellen?
6: well i i mine was very much like uh Gail's. like the the coolness of the floor under my foot the cat thumping her tail and uh and then I, in my mind, I sort of expanded it to life as it is the only teacher. And so as a teacher, that would be, and also uh, Glenn mentioning, mentioning the bubbling up, uh, it would be, you know, the impermanence of things, the flowing. And uh, and then back to the, the poem, there is neither heaven or earth, only the snow falling constantly. So I guess my thought was, what is what is the snow that's, falling constantly right now. And it was the coolness of the floor, the cat thumping and so
0: forth. Cody?
6: (laughs) Good for you, Cody.
0: (laughs) Donna?
4: Well, I'm just thinking about the snow that's falling always falling and even though to me we're you know Ellen's off in Richmond the rest of us are scattered around Austin Glen's out out in hill country and it's still that's the snow falling Mm -hmm. you know that it's it's you know it doesn't much matter how far apart we are or that we're seeing each other on these screens, on the other side of the screen where we are, it's still all of a piece, you know, it, it's, I guess we could call it life, um, you know, that to me is the snow falling. And that I think the more we are attuned, yeah, I've loved um, the part um, where, of uh, Joko's revisioning of uh, that poem, there is neither heaven nor earth, only old age approaching steadily. Um, (laughs) I'm at the age where I can really appreciate that one. Um, But I think, you know, when you're talking about the party and all the different, you know, how is it that people see things differently, you know? Well, like Glenn said, you know, it's our karma. You know, there's so many things that make us different from one another, but Zen's not about wiping it all out and making it all the same. It's somehow, you know, it doesn't want to give in to all the ego, all that baggage, all that karma, but at the same time, it's creating, you know, each of us are this amazing expression of all of it. Um, so that's you know what this—that's far as in practice is all about—is <laughs> just manifesting um, who we are in this moment. You know, with old age approaching rapidly or steadily, steadily.
0: <laughs> so, does this all disprove science?
4: Hmm, not at all. What would yeah, it be disproving?
0: Well, in science, you want to be, experiments are valid if they can be replicated. You know, if, if you get the same result with the same action, and here we're all looking at the same thing and seeing something so d- different.
4: You're not thinking about physics. Physics, <laughs>
5: it's not... No, but <laughs> there, is, um, there is this unity that Donna's pointing to, um, and that I can attest to. So when I was in that uh, group and we were all one at a time um, voicing what was happening in our meditation, it was all different. Someone else was talking about feeling a, you know a sensation in their shoulder. Another person began to talk about a different sound that was heard or thought that came in, but the whole experience felt connected, and so I know what Donna's talking about. It it, it was, to me, it just, it was beautiful. I almost wanted to cry. It was like all this, all this was happening in this moment through all these um, lenses, (laughs) you know, but it was all the peace.
0: I can see you're really emotional about it.
5: Well, it was because Donna just put to words what my, what our, my experience kind of wasn't in, in that particular um, exercise we did.
0: Okay. I'm going to share something now. And I put it in chat. I'll read it. The last stars will die out 120 trillion years from now at most, followed by 10 to the 106 years of just black holes. Condensed sets like the universe starting with one second of stars and then a billion, 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 billion years of just black holes. Stars are basically the intermediate, immediate after effects of the Big Bang. A one second sizzle of brightness before settling into an essentially endless era of darkness. We live in that one bright second. Isn't that cool? And we, you know, our life as human beings, probably of that one bright second is just like a mil, you know, a, a millisecond, right? That, that that humans existed. And then there's going to be this darkness that will be, you know, in comparison forever. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious how anyone knows this. I can see how they can, you know, they can kind of figure out how long the universe might survive. But how they know what that, you know, after that. I, I don't know.
1: Never... Oh, well, I'll be dead, so. Whatever, or or will we? Exactly. um, That reminds me. Find out.
5: Yeah, Kim. That reminds me of uh, 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 Nisargadatta Maharaj was asked something about um, in one of his inquiry sessions. One of his students said, "You know, they're finding out about black holes. What do you think about black holes in the universe?" And he just looked up and said, "You are the black hole." There
0: is nothing that you're not. So, anything else anyone want to add or are we done? Cody, can, we, can you just play, can you just like strum your guitar so we could hear just like a little sound from it? Thank you. Now we've heard Cody play. <laughs>
3: I got to get my lessons in for Paul. <laughs> Anything else, anyone?
0: Any suggestions in terms of our format for doing what we're doing?
6: No, I liked it. I thought it was a good idea to do a little writing. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, so see you next week thank you all so much same time same place thank you glenn for being the av monitor (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a a a recording of a bell though i think we have to perfect this bell business you gotta get this
2: bell down
1: there is there is a, a zoom way that you can actually make it sound more natural um it's actually it's been so long since I've changed my settings, but there's a way that you can bring up a button that says original sound off. And then if you click it yeah. and turn the original sound on. So, yeah,
0: we- so we've been playing with that. And then if you do instead of auto low, mm-hmm.
7: uh,
0: but at, in, in the Zendo, we have really good bell because we have a really good microphone and that helps too. Yeah. But he's, he's doing it from. Um, insight timer, and that doesn't sound so great.
2: Kim but didn't they're... like my original bell.
0: He wasn't having it. <laughs> well, I, I, li- I actually like that better than the insight timer one. Now you're me the
5: insight yeah. timer sounded like a clunk instead of
1: a bell. I yeah.
2: didn't like it. All right, yeah. <laughs> I've got some cowbells at the farmhouse. We could like. Well, why don't you try <laughs>
4: those? Or cowbell. Cow All right.
2: Well, Thank cow. bell, what do you say?
4: Good night. Good night, Good night, everyone.